0: Hello and welcome to Cinema to the Letter. This episode is that egregious film known as Tomorrowland. cinema to the letter, we break down the very nature of cinema, letter by letter. For each episode of a film series topic, we cover six films that fit A, C for classic, I for indie, N for new, E for egregious, M for masterpiece, and A for atypical. Who doesn't love an acronym, am I right? I am Thomas, and I am a very bitter super genius who can't get over <laughs> the robot girl I fell in love with 50 fucking years ago. <laughs>
1: Uh, hello, I am Brian, and I am not an optimist,
0: but I'm tired and I have a headache, so, you know, bear with me. <laughs> I, look, I get that, especially in, like, recent years and such, I get that very firmly. But uh, we're not the only ones here, Brian. Uh, we have a guest on today. Uh, he, you know, you might have heard him on a podcast like Sequels, or you might have read his work on CG Magazine, or you might know him from, for some reason, being a buddy of mine for far too long. Probably
2: either,
0: uh, It is Mr. Shaquille Lambert. Shaquille, welcome to the new show.
2: Welcome. Yes, hello. I'm glad to be here. This is, uh, this is new. This is fresh. This is exciting. Yes, for sure.
0: be like different. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's smart, yes. It's the future. It's,
2: it's, it's, yeah, we're in the future right now.
0: <laughs> right, we're in the future with jetpacks and Hugh Lories, all our favorite new inventions that we wanted. <laughs> Man, listen, imagine coming to the future. The first thing you see is house. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, do I have lupus? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Shaquille, um, I decided to invite you on for this uh, because you were uh, graciously on our Patreon review of Saw X. We did that. It was not on the Patreon. For those antics, mm-hmm. that wild, the wild yeah. fun that we had. Oh, a great review. I loved it. <laughs> yes, a lot of fun. Would recommend listening to that. But the thing is, uh, after that, we were kind of shooting the shit, and I told you about this upcoming Disney season, and mm-hmm. you were very curious about our E for Egregious, uh, which this will be about Tomorrowland, the 2015 film. when I told you that they won the Patreon poll, you were still fascinated, like, okay, I want to do it. Um, and I understand you hadn't seen it before, right? This is what yes. you hadn't seen. So what drew you... To being on the show for that,
2: I mean the two main things were just one. I just remember it being very hyped up, especially like back in yeah, back in 2015. Because obviously, yeah, it's the new Brad Bird movie, and he's had a pretty stellar track record up to that point. And then just another with with Disney trying to do the whole like adapting a ride into another like a big blockbuster. I was very curious, especially with that trailer, that in that first trailer that came out that showed like the scene with Britt Robertson grabbing the pin for the first time and just showing like glimpses of like this cool potential future. I was like, okay, this seems very intriguing. And so for the reception to come out that it was middling at best. And the movie was a huge box office bomb. I was just so curious to find out what happened or like, why did everyone take to this? Cause it seemed like almost a guaranteed hit.
0: In theory, yeah. I think a big thing with this movie, which Brian and I were kind of talking about this when we were starting the planning for this season, about like we both wanted to cover a Disney movie from sort of this weird era in the 21st century where like Disney was so gung ho about like we need to make things for boys. Pirates of the Caribbean had done very well. And so it's like we need to have another Pirates of the Caribbean type franchise, but we hadn't bought Marvel or fucking Star Wars yet. So let's pull out all the stops. Let's do. Wait, had they not yet at this point? Well, no, to be fair, when they were initially developing this, I believe they had bought Marvel, but not Star Wars.
2: Okay. Right.
0: Because Force Awakens is the same year.
2: Yeah. There is a point where they they literally play the Star Wars music. So I was like, oh, this must have been like fresh in the acquisition.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, very fresh. I'll say that much. But yeah, so it was definitely like this is, I think, the last lingering example of that, though. Because after Star Wars and, you know, the big Marvel train hit, they didn't even bother with trying to do new things for, like, boys. And what <laughs> yeah. fascinates you about that particular period,
1: Brian? Yeah, this is, like, I- I'm fascinated by this period of, of Disney where you say, like, they are trying to make stuff for boys, but they're also trying, like, they haven't acquired Marvel yet. or And Marvel is kind of working with them, and, like, at this point, some of them have come out, and, like, they're building up but like this period in the t- you know, late 2000s early 2010s where disney is doing really big projects because like cgi is kind of easier to work with like the avatar and everything has come out it's made kind of it more you know easier to kind of do big stuff
0: especially when you abuse your vfx teams
1: <laughs> yeah, which, ooh, yeah ooh. Nope. But, <laughs> but like th- yeah this time where they're making like tron legacy and like john carter and all of these stuff where like it's not that they're original films right because they are like part of disney in some way obviously tomorrowland is like a part of disney but they are like very interesting projects in that they are very big like over 100 million dollars for the budget they're getting you know interesting directors to make these like i mean they got sam Raimi to make a fucking oz movie um yep (laughs) And so it is (laughs) this this really interesting time where Disney's making, like, I don't know, like, at this point where, like, Disney doesn't really make this type of stuff anymore, and when they do, it's kind of relegated to, like, Disney Plus, I kind of yearn for when Disney was doing this kind of thing. And this is what I find so interesting about Tomorrowland, is it's kind of one of the last of these, uh, you know, these types of movies of, like, live-action you know kind of things and it's just such a fascinating period because we don't get those anymore because it's all Marvel Star Wars IP kind of stuff
0: yeah because this was the time when Disney in their very binary gender kind of marketing schemes were trying to market specifically to boys where like Disney was trying to promote like they have obviously the Disney princess stuff for girls and right. they were trying to promote like mm-hmm. boys can dress up as pirates <laughs> like that's the contrast that they were trying to they were very desperate <laughs> yeah. to get that market <laughs> <laughs> That's what every boy wants to be, right? A pirate as opposed to a superhero <laughs> or Luke Skywalker. Fuck that shit. Pirates all the way. Listen, listen. You got kids at eight years old going like I want scurvy. <laughs> Hell yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't want to eat fruits either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna pillage. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I think it's it's very curious, especially considering like how much money they would put into like and mainly like, even something like Tron Legacy. Which is still, like, baffling that they did that in terms of, like, let's do a legacy sequel to a movie that wasn't that big, like, 30 years ago. And let's see how that turns out. That, or even, like, I think the most egregious example, quite frankly, is uh, the Prince of Persia movie, with Jake Gyllenhaal. For a lot of reasons. What a stinker.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. God, I saw that in theaters, man. God, Oof. that
0: was so bad. Yep,
2: right.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. And I'm guessing Shaquille, you were also like a young man around this time. Did any yeah. of that stuff appeal to you at all? At this particular point, did any of that really like glom onto you? Did Disney ensnare you at this point? <laughs> Not. I mean, like, I still like like to to an extent. I still like Disney, but
2: I was never really yearning. Like, I was never all that big on Pirates of the Caribbean in general like I, I do like those movies for the most part and especially nowadays for the big ass wild swings that it takes in those sequels mm-hmm. but for the most part i was never like ingratiated into like the disney brand of, of like making this my personality or thinking oh i'm all about disney i don't i still don't fuck with that
0: no yeah um but i guess before we end tomorrow land we should address as you mentioned Shaquille, the brad bird of it all because this mm. is uh, Brad Bird, who, for those of you who don't know, was the guy who initially worked on an animation with like The Simpsons. Directed two great early episodes with yes. uh, Krusty Gets Busted and My Father the Clown. Two <laughs> amazing episodes <laughs> of that Great show. episodes, yeah. Yes. Um, and worked there for a while and then did The Iron Giant um, over at Warner Brothers. And then uh, The Incredibles and Ratatouille for Pixar. And Mission Possible: Ghost Protocol over at Paramount. So, like Shaquille mentioned, he's really on a high Going into this. And I think it's fair to say we're all fans of birds. Of course. Oh, yeah. Work, particularly. Yeah.
2: Quick, just quick side note. Um, when I watched the Iron Giant, before no, actually before I watched it, do you guys remember watching like the Pokemon like VHS and they had the trailer for the Iron Giant and completely sold it as an entirely different movie <laughs> than what it actually was? For As a kid, I thought it was a thriller until I watched it. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, this is basically E.T. with a giant robot. Well, I remember
0: there was a trailer that was more, like, kid-friendly, like, almost Nickelodeon-y, where yeah. it's, like, they emphasize, like, oh, he's burping, and stuff like that. <laughs> it's like, ooh.
2: No, for you, for, like, that trailer, it was like, oh, this is a Twilight Zone episode, essentially. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they did not know how to sell that movie whatsoever, um, which is a shame, because it's amazing, and obviously one of my favorite movies. I got Little Iron Giant right here. Hell yes. Hell yeah.
1: Hell yes. You're- Just, like, at the, at the store, at the Blast from the Past. Oh, and that's true. Iron, I went
0: I went him on yeah, the shelf. He yes. had the poster, too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Along with some Simpsons Easter eggs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, this is interesting as kind of, like, it's his second, and at this point, his only, or his only two live-action films. And so that's another thing that's really interesting, is, like, he's made Girls' Protocol, which, like, is insane, because it has, like, one of the most insane set pieces of the past decade. And... Yeah, it is just really interesting of like, okay, what's he gonna do next in live
0: action? Um, And it is this movie, which is so bizarre. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Um but, but yeah, it's especially interesting watching this considering the real, like, amazing track record that he had before. And just that command of story that he has, which is so great. Like, in all of those movies, even, like, a Ghost Protocol, it doesn't need to have any, like, emotional heft or interest. still, like, really kicks into a different gear. And, like, I think is truly responsible for that franchise being what it is now. Oh, yeah. As much as, like, the other three movies before it were all very odd. That one really sets the template going forward.
2: Like, I still go up for three... As like, one of the better things J.J. Abrams has done, but, like, yeah, 4 really is pretty much the one that's kind of set, set the modern standard of, like, we need the massive, like, only Tom Cruise can do this stupid, insane
0: stunt type thing. Right. Shirt. Any animation director, if they want to break into live action, should work with Tom Cruise, because that man is a sentient, like, cartoon character at this point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but also, I, I remember kind of, like, and I've seen, like, the behind the
1: scenes of the of, like, the whole khalifa scene and like it is just that thing of like tom cruise is an insane man and he needed an equally insane director to let him do that sequence because brad bird has that kind of reputation for being very a little intense a little you know and so it, it that's another thing that's so interesting about them like working together
0: yeah i would definitely recommend it if anybody hasn't seen it there's a documentary that came out about the iron giant that's on the blu-ray that is very frank about Brad Bird being like, look, I know what I want, and I demand it. Like, he's literally talking to, there's a early pre-production meeting where he's talking to all the animators, and he's like, guys, look, I'm not gonna be, like, pussyfooting around like Disney does. Like, you're. it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be tough, but we're gonna make a great movie out of this. I don't think, from everything I've heard, he's not necessarily malicious, he's just a lot. Right.
2: Yeah. 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 It's like, on the scale, it's like, Slightly on, like, the higher tier, but not, like, full-on ego, like, megalomaniac-type nonsense.
0: No, 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 like, David O. Russell abusive shit.
2: Exactly. Yes. We're no, yeah, we're not, yeah, from Zero to David O. Russell, we're not up there.
0: I would argue David O. Russell is, like, the Zero, technically, like, the bottom barrel for that. Uh, but but anyway, yeah, so it, it's interesting him getting to make this movie, which, let's just play the trailer now, because we got to dive in. There's so much to talk about. Yeah. With Tomorrowland. Every second that ticks by, the future is running out. Newton?
2: That's not mine.
0: What's not yours?
2: The pen. I've never... Ah!
0: (gasps) What if there was a place?
2: Dad, I
1: just need you to look at this. Does it look weird?
0: A secret place.
2: Where nothing. It was impossible.
0: You're not saying this?
2: Casey, stop it! I want you to take me there. Take you where? Where'd
0: you get this? Who are you, kid? What you saw was a place. Where the best and the brightest people in the world came together to actually change it. We've been looking for someone like you for a very long time.
1: Why? Did something happen over there? Something bad? All the people, why me?
0: He thinks you can fix the future. Hang on! you wanted to see Tomorrowland. here it comes so it's came out uh memorial day weekend may 22nd <laughs> 2015 what a big big <laughs> summer blockbuster for everybody to enjoy what, what, a, what a fascinating attempt uh written by bird along with uh jeff jensen and damon Lindelof. it yes. was pretty crucial to like this era of blockbusters, in particular, because this is not too long after he started doing stuff like Prometheus and you know the Star Trek oh, movies. Oh God! I forgot. Like that. <laughs> I yep. forgot. Oh,
1: right. Now hold on, Reed. because we have some Prometheus defenders on this on this episode, and it might be myself. Who is it? It's me.
2: <laughs> Listen, I know I just met you, but fuck you. <laughs>
1: no look i i get it i that is, a, that is a whole different topic i think but yeah
2: that's a whole side note <laughs>
1: but lindelof is someone who i find so interesting i think like and i mean i've never seen lost i've seen like one episode of lost and then like i saw how long like and how many episodes there are in lost and i was like i can't i can't do this right now But I love, like, the Leftovers, and I love his Watchmen show, and Mm -hmm. he's a really interesting part of, like, this, the kind of creative team behind Tomorrowland, I I find really interesting.
0: Yeah, and particularly, I, a lot of people say he was basically the guy who made Star Trek 2009 what it was, not so much Kurtzman or C, but, like, he's Mm -hmm. a producer on that movie, but that's code for he probably did a lot of, like, (laughs) uncredited rewrites on that movie. Oh, boy, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. um, But this was actually his idea originally. He pitched this in 2010 to Disney. It's just like he wanted to make a big modern sci-fi movie based vaguely around the idea of Tomorrowland, which we should note, this movie is kind of based on the theme parks in as much as it's based on the vague idea of Tomorrowland, which is a land in Disneyland and world that's just like the future is here come to Tomorrowland and ride Star Tours.
1: Yeah, it's very like, uh, like retro-futuristic, though. It's kind of right. from my memory, which I, I love that style. I am so fa- I love just retro-futurism in general, which is another reason why I think this really appealed to me, because it is kind of taking that idea and running with it in this weird way.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's taking a lot of like, the sort of interesting, if you hear anything about the original Walt Disney plans for what he wanted to do with Epcot, Where it's like, this isn't a theme park, this is a city of the future (laughs) (laughs) that I want to basically craft. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dude literally wanted to, like, make a little thing in Florida that's just like, this is my city that I run. Where, like, he literally was like, I hate that there are slums in cities, I want to make it illegal to have slums. Listen, (laughs) dude, I know you don't play video games,
2: but that is just straight up Andrew Ryan and Bioshock. Oh, that it's is super Bioshock. Yeah, it's very.
1: <laughs> so much of, of this movie, though, is like Bioshock. Um, yeah. Which, uh,
2: we'll get into some family of the family-friendly Bioshock.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's also very interesting, considering this was around the time people were making a lot of those, like, Hey, Brad Bird, do you like Ayn Rand? And he's like, No, <laughs> I don't. Let me make this movie to kind of explain why I don't. Which is, I think, where a lot of the interesting story structure and the way this movie flows, I think kind of, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'll i just pull all my cards on the table. Uh, I saw this when it came out originally. I was very confused by it. And I was very <laughs> curious to revisit it. Um, and having revisited it and hoping that, like, oh, I, I want to, like, make this, like, th- this is, like, an underrated masterpiece or whatever. I want to rediscover it. Um, I have even more questions than I did previously. It's not... I don't think this is a completely awful movie. I just think it is, like, a severely lopsided and poorly constructed movie, which is so odd for Bird. and makes me very much think that there was a lot of studio stuff in this, sort of studio oh, meddling. Yeah. Which is weird considering the main crux of the story is the first thing I would think Disney would be like, don't do this. Don't yeah. make the emotional core of this story what you're doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> that's why I'm very sh-
0: – I think that's the main reason why I th- this is not on Disney Plus in America. Right. It is in Canada. Yeah, I-, I think that's a main reason why. It's like, we're not going to have this here in the States. It is – I mean, we were talking about this.
1: Like, it is weird that this movie is not on Disney Plus and, like, I don't know. We-, we were talking about the Prince of Persia movie earlier. Like, that's on Disney Plus. And yeah. I'm like, I, I watched that movie last night, by the way, and I don't know. I feel like they should be more ashamed of that than having Tomorrowland <laughs> on Disney Plus.
0: Are you saying casting Jake Gyllenhaal as a Persian is a bit more offensive when that movie started? And I, I just, I
1: did not remember anything about it. I think I'd seen parts of it when it came out, but when it started and he had a British accent, I was just like, yep. Oh no, this is going to
0: be really bad. You're yeah, like that's a worse movie for sure. Yeah. When Alfred
2: Molina showed up, I said, "Oh no."
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, I'm curious, Shaquille. Yeah. Because we kind of talked about this off mic that um, mm-hmm. when you decided to come on to this, I was very curious because as I was watching it, I kept thinking to myself, "This feels like the least Shaquille movie possible on every level." Like, the retrofuturism, um, a lot yeah. of this, like, kind of dorky does not feel like your vibe, necessarily. This,
2: the, the the super optimistic, like, like here, the future's gonna be great, guys, type of thing. Yeah, it is not my thing, but I still kind of want to ride with it just to see. Like, I do like seeing the interpretation. Like, it is refreshing, especially amidst, like, the millions of millions of fucking, like, dystopian media that we've gotten in the last, like, 20-something years. So I was again go up for it for the ride, but it is one where it peaks so early <laughs> that like I was like I was like waiting for it to get like interesting again, but yeah I was bored. Like I won't say completely bored to tears because I did like I I like George Clooney's character a lot, uh, way more than I thought. If anything, I think he's a character I personally identified with a bit more. But overall, it's just. It feels like something's very, like, it feels like it's missing a whole chunk of movie. Yeah, that, that does. Obviously, they probably, like, hyped up for a sequel or something like that, but, like, yeah, it feels like they just removed a whole chunk of movie that would have been a much better movie than what we got.
0: That is literally the case with one particular thing where, um, you know that bit, Shaquille, where there's the home movie and you can hear her mom...
2: Yes, like, do you know, oh, know who that is? Spanish, yeah, Judy Greer. Judy Greer. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh man, is she gonna come back? No, she
0: doesn't. <laughs> she she was apparently featured heavily as like she's alive and she's with like the whole family, and they co- cut her completely out in the middle of the summer where Judy Greer got fucked so royally. Yeah. Where it's like yeah. this, was this the Jurassic this the World, years, Jurassic World. Oh man, not just but also Ant Man, where she's just doomed to play oh, moms that are y- on y- the sidelines. Yes. <laughs> And like yo I I love
1: Judy Greer and I'm I'm so happy when she pops up in any movie but a re- it is a real like it really sucks that she's not in more of this movie because like I don't know I I'd rather have her than tim mcgraw who i don't have any problems with listen
2: i I have nothing but love for tim mcgraw mainly because of like that song he did with nelly is one of the best country (laughs) songs ever made but (laughs) him as a as a nasa engineer i'm just like that's stretching a little bit for me
0: (laughs) yeah it's a little it's very weird (laughs) yes yes uh but you know what brian why don't you talk a bit about revisiting? because you had a similar thing to me where you saw us in a theater and I you were did. curious to revisit. I did, yeah. And I when, when
1: I saw this, I was not even remotely familiar with Brad Bird. Really, I don't think. Um, I was kind of I was interested in it because it was a big live action Disney thing, and George Clooney was in it, and it looked really cool and interesting. And I, yeah. I, so I watched it in theaters, and I was kind of perplexed by it, but I kind of I kind of liked it. Um, and revisiting it, I, I was really curious how I would respond to this because i remember feeling literally split on this movie where i thought the first kind of hour and some change of this movie where it is before they get to tomorrowland is is great and then i remember when they get to tomorrowland it being very weird and a lot of the revelations i i had i was like what is this what what is happening here but rewatching it i weirdly enough had a really great time watching this and i think this movie <laughs> is weird and it is like you said, like it is, I think, far too ambitious for its own good, where it feels like there are like not just the Judy Greer stuff, but it feels like there is like there should be more movie. But it it's so weird. And like with the stuff, you know, the robots who are like chasing them, which feel kinda just put in there like haphazardly. But at the same time I think a lot of the Brad ness of it, like I love I mean I think the best sequence in the entire movie is when they escape George Collini's like house, that whole sequence, which we can, we can get into a bit later, but like, (laughs) I I just think it's, is great. Um, and I will say, I'm not a very optimistic person when it comes to like the future, the future is great. Like, I don't really think that way in any way, but I'm kind of interested in like another movie that came out this year that I kind of has, does a similar thing is Blackberry, which has that kind of intro, uh, which does the whole, like, in the future, this is what it'll be like. We'll live in this and all that stuff. And I find that idea really interesting of when we kind of thought that technology would improve all of our lives and make things utopian and great. And I, I like the way that this movie handles that idea of, like, the reality of that, which is not it, not even close to being what we thought it was going to be. Um, I do think that... <sighs> It's it's very weird the way that this movie handles a lot of that stuff, though, because it is, of course, still a Disney movie, so it can't really like grapple with those themes in any real way, I don't think. Um, but I don't know. There's something about, I think, a lot of the more fun elements of this movie that I still find great, because Brad Bird's a great director. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here that is is so weird and bizarre. <laughs>
0: yeah but at the same time like weird and bizarre makes it sound a lot more fun than i think it personally is because i think my trouble with it is like for a movie called tomorrowland it's a lot of like people in cars talking to each other about like yeah oh we have to go to this thing what thing don't worry we'll get there it's a lot of that (laughs) which isn't nearly as interesting (laughs) it's are we there yet the movie aside from are we there yet (laughs) now if ice cube was the lead of this movie
2: That'd be a lot Man. more interesting. <laughs> probably would have given a bit more life than this movie has.
0: <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah, because if you don't know out there, because you probably forgot this movie existed because Disney's buried it completely. Um, the basic plot of this is we initially start in 1964 at the World's Fair, where in real life, Walt premiered like a few of the big attractions, like It's a Small World was there. Um, and the Carousel of Progress, which is a similar kind of like it's literally a ride that you go into a circle. And so I'll be like, "Here's what the future will look like at our home." And look, there's like a a fancy TV because this is like 1964. <laughs> so it's like, wow, it's slightly bigger than the wood box we have. Um, and also, there's there was a third one that never came to uh, the Disney attractions. That's called Ford's Magic Skyway, where you like travel through history in a Ford. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, my God. So, like, That's you kind of see awkward. cavemen and shit. Shockingly, that didn't end up being at any of the parks. Walt was oh, just like, no, let's I not put why. that there. <laughs> For sure, for sure. But, uh, yeah, at this World's Fair, we're introduced to uh, this little boy who will grow up to be George Clooney, uh, Frank Walker, uh, which is so close to Frank Walker that I kept thinking, like, is this the guy who voices Fred and Scooby-Doo? Like, it's, <laughs> it's so close. Uh, but um, he's this little boy who brings over his jetpack introduces it to Hugh Laurie, who plays one of the guys who's, like, House. at the World's Fair trying to, like, get, yes, House himself, uh, <laughs> who's just like, oh, what, what's this, what's this jetpack thing? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to make it work, but, like, it, it should work fine, right? If I just, like, do some tweaks and it's like, well, is it going to benefit anything? It's like, well, if it's just fun, which is a weird theme they introduced there. Like, why isn't it just, can't it just be fun that they don't at all do with the rest of the movie? That's, like, pretty much abandoned entirely, <laughs> but it's the oh, whole crux up. for this kid like just being like oh I want to make something fun and then this little girl comes over uh, Raffi Cassidy and manages to fix his jetpack and is like hey now you can use it so now you can come to Tomorrowland even though I finished your invention for you <laughs> so you shouldn't really come to Tomorrowland <laughs> you're a half-assed inventor but, right? Yeah,
1: but the whole thing is that he's uh, he's like a, what they, they call him dreamers at some point which is really weird but like yeah, very weird.
2: <laughs> god
1: I I do I will say about this opening section though. I do I like the whole like him getting on the it's a Small World ride and it, like the pin like scans the 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 laser thing scans the pin, which feels like a a lot of like very Bradbury gadgety stuff in this movie. Yes. Um but that feels like very that. Um but I like that in the ride kind of opening and him
0: going underneath like I I, I don't know. I kind of like that stuff. Um no, I like that stuff too, and I like even when we're introduced to Tomorrowland there, where it's like, oh, now he's able to get into Tomorrowland with this pin. That's the whole thing is like he gets this pin and he gets invited to like going into small world, and then he discovers like a secret passageway, and then he's able to go to this alternate city that's in alternate dimension USA, <laughs> and he's invited basically to be with all the big thinkers, I guess. Like they, that's the weird thing is this movie also cuts out so much about like what Tomorrowland really is. Necessarily, it's a lot of this, like kind right. of like uh, you know, um, mystery box filmmaking, which was very popular at this mm-hmm. time. Obviously, with like Linda Law and J.J. Abrams, of just like, yeah. don't worry, we'll tell you, we'll tell you, and they Eventually. don't really tell you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he's initially there, and then uh, we cut to modern day, uh, where um, this young girl, uh, this fifteen-year-old, who's played by twenty-five-year-old Britt Robertson, <laughs> um, <laughs> is she supposed to be fifteen? She's supposed to be a kid. That's, That's the weird thing. Is like, Because she goes to like a high school at a certain point. It's like she yeah, looks like I, she's yeah. out of college. <laughs> she, like she looks
2: fresh like a freshman
0: in university. She does. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, but she has a, a cap on, which makes her clearly look 10 years younger. Long, <laughs> uh, but um, she's like this young, precocious kid who wants uh, to keep her dad's job at nasa because they're gonna downsize and fire him so she's defacing nasa property being like yeah now this will change something i guess um and she's constantly in school hears about dystopia and horrible things happening and she keeps being like well why can't we do something let's do something about it okay what uh let's do something about it um yeah And uh, so that's like her whole shtick. So then while she's, uh, she ends up getting, you know, thrown in jail briefly. And while she's getting out, she's given this pin, the Tomorrowland pin. And when she touches it, she's able to transport to Tomorrowland. And when she lets it go, she's not there anymore. It's an interesting kind of, um, you know, magical gateway kind of deal. And all of a sudden, this, this little girl who we saw at the beginning, still a little girl, finds her. Um, mm. as she's, like, trying to find out about this pin from, like, this geek shop, uh, where, uh, Catherine <laughs> Hahn and Keegan-Michael Key are <laughs> the cashiers. I have to be honest.
1: The store looks really cool. I would love to just look around there. Oh, of course. But, but like, I... And, like, maybe this is me reading a bit too much into this. I find it really interesting that Bradbird creates this, like, moat, like, this museum to like pop culture of especially like star wars all this stuff and then he blows it up I, i i don't know i find that really interesting and like especially as this is when the mcu and star wars is about to like kickstart a new era for disney um i don't know i just find that really interesting
0: yeah, it feels like a weird thing that let's do cross-promotion and then blow up the cross-promotion. Right. It exactly. feels a bit more like having your cake eating it, two to me, though, quite frankly. Because <laughs> it feels just like, here's all this cool stuff and here's all these Easter eggs, but also I'll blow it up because I'm rebellious, even though I'm taking the Disney cash for this. It feels weird. <laughs> like a lot of this yeah. movie, like we were mentioning. So that starts her off on this journey uh, with this little robot girl uh, to try and, you know, Find the George Clooney character, who's the older version of this kid we saw at the beginning, and then eventually reach Tomorrowland and... question mark? And yeah, then just, what do we do from there? (laughs) A lot of that. Um, So yeah, I think on paper, I like a lot of the stuff, particularly in the introduction with stuff like when she does touch the pin, which, Shaquille, you mentioned that was, like, the crux of the teaser trailer. I like mm-hmm. elements like that. There's a lot of elements here that I think are really engaging, even, like, individual sequences, like the big action sequence that happens at the uh, the geek shop and stuff like that. A lot of fun things, but it definitely feels like, for some reason, this was just, like, very thin connective threads to different sequences instead of, like, an actual story to me.
2: Yeah, like, I, I would... Honestly, I would agree very much so. Like... Yeah, the se- like yeah, like you said the sequences are fun. Like the 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 house, like the house escape is amazing. And again, that's where I think the movie peaked. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And like yeah, the 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 yeah, the fight at the comic shop was cool. And then yeah, even the way they play with like her touching the pin and trying to f- figure out like how to get to Tomorrowland. Even like the sequence where she sees it extensively is very cool. But, again, once it feels like they get to Tomorrowland, they have no idea of what they actually want to do. So it feels like they kind of crowbar this whole thing about, like, the future. Like, they want to talk about the future, but they don't really know in a way to find a way to make it tangible beyond this magical device that they come up with near the end of it.
0: Yeah, I think it also doesn't help that, like, all this really starts off wonky for me with, like, the opening bit before we even get the flashback. Is like they introduce like a weird wraparound thing where oh, it's George Clooney. Oh my and...
1: awful! That. It's god awful. It might be my. It yes. might be the worst part of the movie. I think you could like. It, there has to be a different way to sort of do. That that whole thing and like I feel like a lot of it is based on just like let's just have George Clooney at the beginning of this movie. America loves him. Let's just put him there. Especially Because, because he's like,
0: not going to be in here for another hour of the movie. Probably, yeah, I feel like that's <laughs> another
1: thing. And like I really like Britt Robertson in this movie. I think she's quite good, even though her, her character is kind of a bit archetypal of that, like, precocious teenager who, like, thinks that he, thinks that they can change the world and all that stuff. But I think that she's quite good, and, like, I think Raffi Cassidy's really good as well. Like, she obviously, like, goes on to... She's now, like, a, a proper actor and everything. But, like, yeah, I, I think the, the cast is really good, and, like, I really think Clooney is great in this movie um and i think like a lot of the stuff with him it it feels like why they got george clooney because he's an actor who can just pull that off really well i don't think all of it works but i think like it's at least i find him just really compelling and really charming when he's when he does pop up I don't know. I, I like him. How do you guys feel about Clooney in this movie? Like,
2: oh, I, thing is, I like. Like I said, I liked him a lot. He's probably my favorite character in the movie because, th- like, his story, his whole character's backstory could have been a whole other movie that they just right. didn't touch on. Like, even when they flash back a little bit to it at the end, it feels like you are leaving out a lot of major chunks. Because yeah, he does get exiled from Turo- Tomorrowland, but again, the f- glimpses we see doesn't really feel like that's ne- like enough to warrant the exile in the first place but yeah every yeah every time he shows up I'm like like Bri, Bri- Robertson is good I think she's also solid even though they like their are right I feel like she's underwritten but she does agree. well with what she has but Clooney I think every time he shows up or right, like I feel the magic of the movie that's supposed to be there right
0: Yeah, because I think the biggest trouble with the movie is how we spend that first hour with Britt Robertson, who I agree, I don't think is, like, doing a bad job here, but it is, like, archetypal, I think, is being kind to this character. Because, like, (laughs) she seems very one-note, where it's all just about, like, her being like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And also, we need to fix the future! And, like, that's, those are the two notes she has to play. Yeah. Like, the entire goddamn movie. And there's just nothing else, really, to her character. I mean, there's, like, her... Problems with her dad and, like, her, you know, that, that kind of struggle that she has uh with, like, oh, my dad is, like, part of, like, this big thing of NASA, but that they're downsizing it because they don't believe in the magic of technology and the progress of the future and all this other stuff. And it it just feels like that conflict is not really enough to, like, get her to be that engaging when you spend the whole movie having her in the dark and also not being, like... A little kid inventor who invents things, or really is that like active in the story until the very end where she's like, Wait, I remember that thing my dad said that I repeated a couple times about inside you there are two wolves. Yeah. Which I found so funny. (laughs) They just do (laughs) the meme. That's like it for her, really. That's like the only thing that she actively gets to do in the story. And when she's like, Our main character. It feels like disservicing her, and we do get Clooney, who I think is kind of he works especially as like the kind of like dejected guy who once had hope in his eyes. He, he believably feels like that. He's really good at that. Yes, <laughs> he's he's very good at that. But there's also there's just we need to address the elephant in the room of this movie. Yes, we need to because it very much okay, relates to him. how he has a whole love his lover just is a ten year old child. Yeah, so. <laughs> the whole twist is that this like this young girl who we saw at the beginning is a robot girl, an audio animatronic as they call it, which is a, another theme park thing. That's what they call any of the robots at Disney, uh, audio animatronics. So she stays eternally ten years old, but has the like mentality of an adult. And then Clooney, like obviously, like sees her and is like, "Oh God, you!" and like treats her like an ex, which is like yeah. really irksome. Even though I do agree that Raffi Casti is very good. And I think Clooney's also very good. But the trouble is, like, that works for Clooney when it's, like, he's talking to, like, Julia Roberts or, <laughs> you know, Catherine Zeta-Jones. You know, like, an adult woman. As opposed to okay, okay. him barbing with this girl. I don't think it's, like, intentionally creepy. But it just feels, like, so odd. Like, it's a tight rope to balance that. And they keep flopping over that rope.
2: Man, you know what this reminds me of? <laughs> I just thought of this just now. This reminds me of the Book of Henry, how Sarah Silverman <laughs> and freaking Jane Martel have a banter that's supposed to be like friendly like neighbors, but feels way too romantic. Oh, and it's God. very off-putting. I just, you just
1: reminded me of the Book of Henry, <laughs> which I had right, not thought about since I saw which
0: it. Which is a bit relevant in that around this time, Bradbird was very gung-ho about saying Colin Trevorrow, Great director. He reminds me of me, and he should get more. Like, he's the reason he got Jurassic World. Like, he recommended. Bradbird recommended it to Steven Goddamn Spielberg. Lord. That's why we have Jurassic World. So, Brad, 2015 wasn't a great year for your suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> truly a flop era 2015 for bird baby like like you're saying thomas like they
1: are like it's a tightrope that you have to walk on and this movie is not is not walking it very gracefully there are small moments mainly like just like their comedic bits which i i I like in this movie um that i i I like because they're funny but like it is just a, a another weird plot thing of this movie. It's just like it's weird on top of weird elements that are just in this movie. But um Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh were you also disturbed by all this Shaquille?
2: Oh, absolutely. Like at first, I thought, like, when I saw, the like, the character, obviously, I thought it was just an actual little girl, but then when she shows up in the comic shop, I'm like, oh, what the hell? Like, are, is she an animatronic? And then knowing that, like, oh, they kind of have, uh, her and George Clooney's character have a thing together, I'm like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> like, you couldn't even, like, have the character be in, like, an older body or something like that. But no, they didn't, and it's very, very creepy every time they interact, especially, like, the last scene they interact, and she's talking about, like, how she potentially, like, had feelings for him, like, when they were both, like, children and stuff, and you're like, don't talk about this while he's a grown-ass man.
0: Holding you in his arms. (laughs) (laughs) Holding you in
2: his arms, yes.
0: Yeah, It, it feels like they didn't really think that element through. Until they were like shooting it and they're like, oh, um uh fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is very weird. And like it, it I mean
1: there there is a world where this goes like even worse. Yes. But like like I, I think Bird and Lindelof still have like some semblance of grasp on
0: that, but I think like yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't work all the way. And it's not really helpful. Like I, I think Raffi is like the best actor in this movie i think that's the best performance of this because she feels believably like a robot girl who's beyond her years and has like so much actual like intelligence about what's going on here but it's just a trouble of like she's almost too good at once again having that kind of chemistry with clooney that makes it so much ikir so much more oh, right, but yeah it is like if, yeah, if their mean,
1: if their chemistry is better it's weirder but you yes. need their chemistry to be better for the movie to be good. It's a very, yeah, it, it's it's a difficult kind of contradiction, I think.
0: Right, which I think also makes Clooney's character seem even more petty than, like, obviously that's part of his, like, arc, is it like, oh, he, like, all this resulted from his bitter feelings about having, like, the magic torn from him, and the magic mm-hmm. was, hey, you're a cute girl, do you like me? Actually, I'm a robot girl. Oh. Everything's <laughs> flux <fucked. laughs> It's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it just makes it feel a bit more petty, especially when, like, we don't see, like, Shaquille mentioned, like, much about, like, what actually got him specifically exiled from Tomorrowland. We right. just see him, like, being, like, kicked out.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they're, point, like, just, like, walking him out, like, yeah, like, a, like, a, like he's kicked out of a
0: club or something. Yeah. <laughs> right, if there, if there was more reasoning, especially, like, maybe more of his relationship with, like, a Hugh Laurie, who was, like, such a non-character in this movie. He he leaves for, like, th- like we talk about, like, George Clooney not showing up. Hugh Laurie is there
2: for one scene, and then you completely forget he even exists until he- they show back up to Tomorrowland. You're like, oh, he's still around?
0: Right, and he looks the exact same age, and he becomes our main villain. A forced villain. Truly a forced villain, on, like, every level. And <laughs> his whole thing, which we'll, we'll, I think we'll get to, because I have yeah. so much to say
2: right, about, like... <laughs>
0: Him, because I think that's the weird trouble of this movie is like so much of it feels underdeveloped, but he, his whole like speech at the end is the only thing that feels at all fleshed out, and it's the least sort of like interesting kind of set like uh, commentary you can do about our modern age. I think mm-hmm. we'll get to it, yeah, we'll get to it. Um, but but yeah, I mean, Brian, you've been harsh on this movie and you liked it. What's some other stuff that you like that we maybe haven't mentioned yet?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, well, a, a plot point, I can't believe it took us this long to not mention that uh, the Eiffel Tower is a, uh, a satellite, <laughs> which is the right. one thing re-watching this. I was like, okay, right, the Eiffel Tower is a satellite. I can't wait to get to that. But then I forgot that it splits open, and then a rocket comes out of the Earth that takes them to the other dimension. And I just find that I like so unhinged in a way where I'm just, like, I have to respect this. This is so weird and interesting, and, like, I can't believe that this is a real plot point in this movie. <laughs> um, but I, 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 yeah, I, I kind of, I like all of that stuff. And I, I, like I mentioned, I mean, the whole sequence of, like, the escape of the house, which I just, I love because of, like, all of the, like, traps that he has. Like, I love the yeah. the laser trap on the, on the door, where, like, it, it's, like, the guy's coming... And Robertson's about to like punch him and he's like, no wait. And then he passes like the doorway and it like slices him into like little like pieces, which is just so Dude, it's, it's Resident so Evil. Cool.
2: It, it, it freaking rules.
1: <laughs> yeah, and just all all of the just the, the gadget stuff, like I love like in the um in the store, the the Blast from the Past store, like the time bubble thing where like her hand is stuck in there. Yeah. And she has to like wait for the perfect moment. It feels so like that's the kind of stuff that I love about like brad bird where like um weirdly enough one of my favorite sequences of like ghost protocol is um where they break into the kremlin and they have that like screen you know what mm-hmm. i'm talking about like yes. that one yeah, yeah it's like the fake video screen or yeah whatever. and it's all just like quiet it's all visual and I, I just love all of that stuff with brad bird i love how much he loves like gadgets i love all like the cool like laser gun things that they have in tomorrowland um Although I love like the gun that the robots have, where it's like the squeeze,
0: like it's like the yeah, you know, it it, they all just look so cool. Um, Uh, And shout out to the guy Matthew McCall who plays like the main one of those guys. I think is like the perfect kind of like evil robot dude, especially when like he encounters (laughs) those. Yeah, especially when he encounters like the police that are like outside the blast from the past door, and he like disintegrates them. There's (laughs) There's that, and then there's the shot where like he exits the car
1: and, like, smiles to the camera in, like, a really, like, creepy, like, like this,
0: <laughs> you know? Right, in a way that it feels like, like pl- an audio-animatronic at Disney. Right. Yeah,
2: it's like a super, like, uncanny valley thing, and it works. Yeah. It's creepy right. as hell.
0: And, like, the whole little thing where he's, like,
1: you know, uh, when, he, when he shows up to George Clooney's house, and he's like, you have one minute to comply, and then he gives a, like, creepy robot smile. It's, yeah, it's really cool. I love that stuff, even though it does feel kind of underdeveloped in a way like that whole thing of like oh they have robots that go out and like terminator people basically they have terminators but like it i don't know I, I still kind of like it from like a sci-fi kind of gadget perspective
0: right which i think would be a lot better if we didn't once again have all the gaps between these cool sequences be just like talking around like what's happening with Britt mm. robertson
1: i yeah i i would i agree and yet, I like some of the banter that these characters have. Like, I just—I don't know—a lot of the comedic elements. Maybe I'm just like a, a real softy, but I was—I was like chuckling during this whole thing. Um, I, I like that, and that was enough for me, at least. Although I agree with both of you guys, like a lot
0: of the writing is very hit or miss throughout. I'm curious, Shaquille. Did 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 any of that like appeal to you? Like what we're talking about, some of these like, like futuristic the, the, things?
2: No, the futuristic thing I think was really cool. Uh, and, like, as much as I'm not crazy, like, I, I, I'm not in love with retrofuturism, but, like, when it's done well, then I can always very much appreciate it. And so, yeah, like, the, the stuff that yeah Brian's talking about, like, I did, like, the time bomb stuff, like, the the actual action sequences themselves, I think, are very fun, albeit a bit too brief. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, this movie's also, like, 130 minutes. So I know that right. they had a lot to do, and yet, again, with everything feeling undercooked, it's it's... Weird that it's that long. Um, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to like the humor, the hit or miss stuff, it go- again goes back to like that opening like wraparound because their banter doesn't. Re- I don't think they have the chemistry for it. The they're it feels like they're trying to establish a rhythm, but they don't have the right rhythm.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I generally agree with that. I think especially like with Raffi Cassidy and Britt Robertson, where like I, it's kind of frustrating where you just have like we're following this main character. Who is completely in the dark and doesn't have really a lot to her, to contrast with a character who feels fully developed, but at the same time is keeping things close to the best.
2: Sorry, yeah. Like that first sequence when she's finally like showing that she's a robot when she like tries to steal that like dude's pickup truck, and then you have her like jump into the car, and you're and I'm just as confused as Britt Robertson, going like, what the hell is going on? Like this isn't even like funny or creepy. I'm just confused.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that's the trouble is, like, it, it I want to be intrigued by, like, a sequence like that, but I'm so in the dark, and this is not really revealing enough to me to keep me interested, that I'm just kind of, like, confounded. I think that's the frustrating thing about this movie is it's not, like, totally bad in a way like we were talking, like, Prince of Persia or a lot of these other <laughs> Disney blockbusters from around this time. So it feels just more frustrating when it's, like, you see these great elements and then it's just kind of like barely held together with like pins on like a clothesline kind of thing. It's like barely holding any structure whatsoever. Yeah, pretty much. And like
1: you know, like what we were kind of what we were talking about earlier of like there's so many elements that feel like it feels like there's stuff missing from this movie because I I think this movie is very ambitious in what it's trying to like obviously say about like society or whatever and like the future and all this stuff, but like it feels like it wants to do more, and yet it's already, like you said, Shaquille, like, it's already two hours and ten minutes, and, like, it can't do everything, and it's kind of, it is kind of a, yeah, like I, I said, like I said earlier, it's it's too ambitious, I think. But in a way, I kind of have to respect it a little bit for that, because I, I just, I, 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 will, I kind of always just have to respect a a massive swing, even if it does miss in some cases like this.
0: But, That's but yeah, fair. but no, yeah. I mean, I get that, and I'm somebody who loves a big swing most of the time. I, I love truly Win, especially like for a big Disney corporate product. Right. I, I, I love the idea of like Bradbury taking that and making an interesting, very odd big blockbuster with literally like the budget of 190 million dollars. Insane.
1: Which we should mention,
0: <laughs> like a very expensive movie. But it's weird how like it feels so sparse and yet not that intimate because the movie's keeping you at, like, a distance yeah. the whole time. Because it's a weird thing where it's like, oh, this big, giant, extravagant world, but there are, like, five characters in this movie, basically. Right. Like you said earlier, Thomas,
1: like, and a lot of it is, like, they're in the car, in the truck, just talking for a lot of it. Which even, like, for me, which I kind of, I'm on the positive side of that, it is like, yeah, you want to see the ambitious, big world that they've created, but it's, yeah, it, it does feel very
0: sparse, like you said. And also, at the same time, like, that stuff in the car is not keeping you that engrossed in, like, these characters necessarily, I would argue. Right. Like, there's a pattern that's attempted, but also, I'm not learning much about Britt Robertson or Raffy Cassidy, because, like, hold on, hold on, we'll get there. Hold on. Just, just hold on, we'll get there, don't worry. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And for the fi- And for, like, the five or six characters, again three of those characters you don't see for major chunks of the movie so you forget they even exist like man whatever happened to her brother it's like all right cool nothing happens
0: (laughs) (laughs) hey he gives raffy cassidy the bit of exposition so he was very crucial that's what we needed him for um that little kid who by the way is the little kid from looper trivia that's oh.
2: oh no shit oh man yes. okay. cool
0: i thought he looked familiar i'm like
2: oh of course it's a little kid from loop he, yeah, yeah. he did
0: look familiar to me i was like oh wow same yeah um but yeah it it just feels like when we don't get that engaged in these characters it makes a lot of those like big moments very frustrating because it's like there's a clear like interesting idea to them like i love certain aspects like the design of the robots who we see like the big So the robots Mm -hmm. are, like, moving stuff around, I think is interesting. Or even, like, the whole sequence that, like, you were referencing, Shaquille, where it's, like, we see, like, almost it feels like a giant one-shot of Tomorrowland. uh, Yeah. In action.
2: Those little bits are so cool that, again, when we get to actual Tomorrowland, I know it's supposed to be, like, a big, like, that's it. Because, again, the world has kind of been a bit way more bleak than it should have been. But it's also, like, man, this just feels disappointing from just the movie standpoint. Like, all right, we finally got to our destination and everything just kind of (laughs) sucks.
0: Especially when like, we only get one shot of like Tomorrowland in its prime where people are on jetpacks. And especially my favorite thing, honestly, of this future is like the guy diving through multiple pools. that are like separated out is like a super cool fucking visual, but like, we don't have enough time to, like, invest in what Tomorrowland is, because we don't know really what it is. Even, like, mm-hmm. the only vague thing we get is, like, the thing in the Eiffel Tower that Brian was referencing earlier, where it's like, oh, um, it's Gustav Eiffel, uh, mm-hmm. fucking Thomas Edison. Hack. How dare you have him there? The guy who stole <laughs> his fucking inventions? How dare you? Um, and then who are the two other guys? It's uh, Oh, yeah, <laughs> Jules Verne and Tesla. Tesla, yes.
2: yeah. Because he did, because uh, Clooney was going to go on a tangent about how they hate each other, like Edison and Tesla.
0: Right. Yes. Um, but yeah, so they introduced, like, Plus Ultra, which was, like, a secret society of futurists who decided to create Tomorrowland as an Ultra Dimension, which the movie barely tells you anything about. Like, most yeah. of the exposition that was going to be about this was, like, in a short film that Pixar made, which I'd recommend anybody actually see about, like, Plus Ultra. It's, like, a full on, like, 60s style, like, slideshow kind of thing like Brian was referencing earlier which is like here's the future as envisioned by Thomas Edison and Jules Verne and everybody like it gave you a lot more of like what this actual Tomorrowland is but that's not present at all in the final movie like mm-hmm. really yeah <laughs> it's 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 so
2: disappointing cuz like I want to love it so much more and this, and again yeah those teases are cool but man yeah, nothing. It, it, it just feels like it's... It, it, it keeps me at arm's length from loving it every single time. It, like, every single chance it gets. And, yeah, it's just it just becomes more and more frustrating as it goes on. H-
0: how do you feel, Brian, about sort of the development of Tomorrowland in the final movie? I love, like,
1: science fiction stuff. I, I, I just eat it up, like any sci-fi shit. And I like that sort of opening bit with, like, the... Um, uh, with Britt Robertson where she's like going through Tomorrowland kind of like getting like the kind of, uh, the tour of it. And, but like, yeah, it, it is, it really isn't developed that much. And like, I, I mean, I, we, we'll get to kind of the ending of which, like I have thoughts on kind of what maybe Brad Bird and Linda are trying to say with the place of Tomorrowland. But like, it, yeah, it doesn't feel that developed. I, I like a lot of the, like, gadgets, like I said earlier, but, like, it, it does feel very underdeveloped, even though this is, like, it's kind of the crux of the movie. But it does feel like, um, you mentioned earlier, Thomas, like, the kind of mystery box thing. And it feels like they are trying to keep it a mystery, right? Like, it's like, we'll get to Tomorrowland, and oh, just wait. When we get there, it's gonna be great. And, like, it, it does take a very long time, and it's... It's kind of that Lindelof thing of, like, when you get to that payoff, it's a lot weirder than you would expect, right? It's not a very, like—it doesn't follow kind of a traditional, like, they get to Tomorrowland and then they kind of do the normal plot stuff that you would think. It's a lot more about the thematic elements, which— are interesting i think we'll, we'll get into that but i don't know i you do you want to see more of it but it is kind of a weird thing i imagine where like i don't know if they show more of it is it revealing too much i don't know it's it's a, a, fi- a fine line that i think this movie isn't walking because i don't think this movie is really not interested in kind of subtle nuanced uh storytelling really
0: no yeah I think I agree with what Shaquille said earlier that the far more interesting movie is the one about like George Clooney being put into exile and finding out more about like what his role in Tomorrowland is how he interacts with all the other people in Tomorrowland that would be I think a far more interesting movie than like this one once again where like there's a world where like I would love the Britt Robertson movie where we find out more about Tomorrowland and we investigate this but that's not really there once again because she's like she's not finding out anything she's not inventing something to like kind of help out with anything she's just kind of like Along for the ride right with the audience, just like guess what, guys? I don't know much either. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm just kind of perplexed <laughs> the whole time. Um, but but yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the the Hugh Laurie and all the the climax here because okay. that's where sadly the meat of the movie kind of is. <laughs> where like yeah. Hugh Laurie has apparently been in this abandoned Tomorrowland that we finally get to after the big Eiffel Tower sequence, and he's been apparently not aged at all because of his shake that he references that he drinks daily uh, it comes in chocolate now uh, as they say <laughs> <Really funny>. um, <laughs> that's a funny bit <laughs> I'm not denying that uh, but yeah then Hugh Laurie basically tells them about like oh yeah you know what everyone left Tomorrowland uh, because you all were too invested in your dystopian fiction that's right <laughs> he's calling out dystopian fiction uh, and he's doing that by presenting the horrible version of the world initially as a warning and then he's like oh no you all didn't move a muscle for it because you all love Mad Max and all these other like dystopian future ideas (laughs) Um, and it pisses me off and it feels weird because like I get that Brad Bird and Lindelof and everybody's trying to make that guy out to be the bad guy because in theory like Laurie is supposed to be kind of like that Ayn Rand Atlas Shrugged kind of guy. Right. Where he's like, the smartest mm-hmm. people have to be separated out because you dummies don't get how smart we are, and right. we're gonna like make sure to develop like all the great awesome things here, and you all get to suffer on the earth that you created. Kind there's of the there's the line he has where he's like,
1: if we let everyone into here, then what happens there will happen here, right?
0: <sighs> which like that's supposed to be like the bad guy kind right. of thought process, yeah. right? But the trouble is. That his whole speech, which he goes on like a five minute fucking tear about this, which feels to paraphrase another Simpsons thing, old man yells at Cloud, quite frankly, kind of thing, because he just spends the whole time being so angry about dystopian fiction and like really like unveiling like this whole backstory about like his motivation, and when that's like the most developed sort of motivation you have in the movie. It makes me almost think, like, well, you didn't have much else to say beyond I hate dystopian fiction and how it does, gives people less hope. So it's, it's like, like I don't know. Hugh yeah. Laurie literally stops the movie to say, hey, I don't like this. <laughs> right. And that's why I was really curious about you, Shaquille, coming onto this, oh, because yeah. this is this, within a week of Mad Max Fury Road which I believe is, like, your favorite movie of all time. My right?
2: favorite movie of all time. Oh, yeah. Literally a right. week later,
0: just talk to shit. <laughs> right, talk Dude, to shit I by just... someone who no one heard, basically. Exactly. No one heard it, so it didn't even matter.
2: Uh, <laughs> um, but, no, trust me. I thought the the hilarious irony of this of just like, oh, man. Because, yeah, 2015, Mad Max Fury came out in May 4th. Fifteenth, and then this came out on the twenty-second. Yes. So yeah. How hilarious the timing is of like one of the greatest works of dystopian fiction <laughs> <laughs> coming out right after, like right before somebody going, "Hey, dystopian fiction kind of sucks." <laughs> is is just funny to me? I, right, I couldn't stop laughing for like five minutes.
0: Right, especially when like quite frankly, as like dystopian as Mad Max: Fury Road is. I get far more hope for the future out of that story than anything in this fucking movie.
2: Literally! Like, (laughs) you could even just take the sequence alone of just when they push the water back and onto the people and how they're free from their murderous dictator piece of shit. Yeah, you get a better sense of, like, man, I feel like I want to do something. Like, Like, not inspire the world, like, not on that grand scale, but you feel better about the world than you came in from it. This has, like, yeah, it has that whole speech, and then it has a whole montage at the end, because the wraparound being about, um... Essentially talking to, like, the descendants of uh, of Athena, like, the, the robot, like, the new robots. Go and find the people in the world, the dreamers. It felt very obnoxious and preachy.
0: Not helped at all by the fact that, that ending looks truly like a car commercial.
2: It, it, I rolled my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what this came... Like, you know what this come across... I saw someone. I can't fully take credit for this because I saw it. someone mention this on Letterboxd. It feels like something out of the newsroom, and I hate the newsroom.
0: There's a lot one of, of Sorkin-y least bits paper to this, shows yeah,
2: of all time.
0: Yeah, for sure. But but Brian, I'm curious. How do you feel about all this stuff with like Laurie and the the anti-dystopian fiction element of it? I mean, well, one, I find it really interesting. I,
1: I couldn't help think, but think of um of interstellar we're thinking about this in terms of like that movie has a similar like oh no one wants people who make technology we don't we don't want technology technological advancements no one no one cares anymore and and that but also i find it really interesting that by the like since this movie has come out things have gotten like worse (laughs)
2: like i don't
1: want to be like that person (laughs) oh no no
2: I definitely thought this <laughs> right. I'm like,
1: I'm like, you know, they're talking about like, you know, climate change and all this stuff, and I'm like, don't worry, Brad. In like five years, a pandemic will lay bare like many systematic problems <laughs> wrong with the world. <laughs> but like, okay, this is kind of my take on this. I, th- I, I find it interesting that yeah, like Bird has that whole like, randian kind of, you know, the accusations thrown against him which I think are kind of interesting because he, like the Hugh Laurie character, I, I agree with you guys that I think he's not a great villain. Cause he's kind of like last minute thrown in there, but I do find the ideas that this movie presents, like they are very preachy, I think. And they are very, a little condescending, but I don't know. There's something I think interesting about the way he turns kind of his, that idea that he has of like, the smartest people in society should just be able to do whatever they want in a in a place
0: free of politics. To quote right. the movie, right? <laughs> yeah, which feels like a very <laughs> dumb idea. Of like, guess what, guys? Trying to help out the world is an inherently political. Position
2: <laughs> again, it goes back to Bioshock. We're yep. like, hey, if you do this in like three years, you're gonna have a civil war and everybody's gonna be fucked. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: But I think like the whole like the the thing that people throw at Brad Bird of like, oh, you know, you are that, you know, kind of ran- you have that Randian perspective. I-, I like that he kind of turns that into like it isn't that it isn't necessarily the fact that like I'm, I'm trying to be very careful with the way I wear right, this. Right, yeah, that, like, this is, a very, this is yeah, another
0: tightrope. <laughs> <laughs> Not
1: quite the Raffy Cassidy, George Clooney tightrope, but there's something I like about his idea of like no, it is, it's just that people need to like care right it isn't that people need to like go out do something and whatever be the like inventors or whatever that i i I don't know there's there's kind of I like the simplicity of it being like just that she cares and has it's very kind of uh again it's preachy and it's not it's a little clunky the way it's like the message of the movie is, but she's optimistic and that that means that she'll save the world. But I don't know. I, I find it interesting more from Brad Burr's perspective of like, really, it's just about people caring. But I will agree with you, Thomas, it does look like a car commercial at the end. And yes. it's very preachy, like you said, Shaquille, like it, it, it feels a <laughs> bit condescending. But I don't know. I, 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 I don't love it, but I'm, I'm at least intrigued by it in this weird way.
0: The frustrating thing to me about it is, like, I think you have the perfect way to, like, identify a lot of things that you're talking about where you have, like, George Clooney, who's the the guy who used to be a dreamer and is completely cynical and better now. And then you have Britt Robertson, who was, like, the optimistic young girl who's just, like, everything – like, we need to do something and help things out. And you are a smart person who could help us if you cared. And, like, that's an interesting contrast that would have benefited from – I don't know – the two of them being in the movie together a bit more, maybe? Yeah. Yes. And having that contrast really develop. <laughs> uh, and then I having agree. this point that you're referring to actually flourish. Instead of, like, Hugh Laurie at the end being like, well, I'm even more cynical than George Clooney. So right. everything sucks. And I'm going to get crushed by the Epcot ball. Which is also an interesting bit of, like, design. Oh, that, was, that was hilarious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, like, I, I, I kind of... I, I'm, I'm at least intrigued by the way that this movie is, like... And especially the way it's aged now of like, I don't know, I found it really interesting the way that, much like for Robertson's character, it's very easy to be inundated with this, like, the world is awful, like, everything is awful, things are, the world is ending kind of shit, which is like, you know, just log on to Twitter and that's all it is. But like, that element kind of interested me of just like, it is very easy to fall prey to that. And I think... The movie's a bit very saccharine, very sugary, like, but if people care, then the world will be a better place. It's not handled well, but I'm at least intrigued by that idea. Um, Yeah. Especially from Brad Bird, who, like, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, you know, that idea is kind of interesting in, in, in his career.
0: Right. But the frustrating thing about it is, like, it's handled from the perspective of not somebody who does live in the now But someone who feels clearly just very nostalgic about like 60s era retrofuturism, which is like the frustrating thing, especially when you consider like a lot of elements of that, when you actually look into it, feel um, very irksome and have like, like we're talking about sort of like those Randian isms that he's trying to avoid, but at the same time trying to, you know, say that, oh, no, what we shouldn't like fall prey to those kind of things. We need to be positive, positive. And that's like enough. It almost feels like, what, this is like a Care Bears movie where it's like we have to just care? And yeah. that solves everything? It just, it's, it just presents all this stuff about how, like, oh, it's awful. Like, this dystopian future is like making us feel cynical and it's hurdling us closer to oblivion and it's terrible. And the counterpoint is jetpacks? That's like cool, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, and I mean, like,
0: on paper, I
1: really like the idea of that sort of mystery box leading you of like, we're going to get to Tomorrowland. You you won't believe it. It's going to be great when we get there. And then like that sort of Lindelof idea of like, when we get there, the movie stops to a halt and kind of like talks about its message for a while on paper. I really like that idea. And I like the sort of subversive nature of that, mm-hmm. but it, it's not executed as well as I think it should be. Um, which is a shame, because I, I love Lindelof and Brad Bird, but I just don't think they have
0: a—it's not handled well, I don't think. Yeah, it's the also not— not there. No, the synthesis isn't really there. It's, it's not really helped at all by the fact that, like, he directly contributes, like, somebody learning about George Orwell in school to somebody beaming images of, like, horrible climate change to make people feel like they can't do anything about anything. <laughs> Right. Especially I do love- when it's just, <laughs> Especially when you can see, like, in the recent years where how much of it is just like, oh, yeah, like, climate change isn't, like, a problem that, like, one person can solve with, like, an invention. It's, like, a systematic problem right. that's inherently, like, mm-hmm. formed by, like, governments being, like, completely unresponsive and shit like that. It just feels like it's very naive in a way that, like, I could see embracing for, like, a big Disney blockbuster movie, but when you like really honed so much in like our modern world it feels so much less like intriguing to me because it's just like well you're you're like putting this too much in our real world to where when we do get the vague fa- like sci-fi things we get here it just feels kind of like superfluous and it makes me feel just more bummed than anything <laughs> it feels like they put it there just because they have to just to make
2: it like a summer blockbuster as opposed to like just taking it out entirely
0: yeah, this definitely feels like a movie that like either needs to be thirty minutes longer or thirty minutes shorter. Yeah, I think it's its biggest fucking problem. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just that a weird in between where it's too long, but it's just too clunky to exist in its current form. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do want to say at least like there's some stuff like I do like the production design of Tomorrowland. Like when we do see it, like I like that building, oh, yeah. which I believe is like a real like campus building or something in LA. Oh um, word. Kinda, like, added to, I believe so, you can fact check me on that, but I believe like they just kind of like added on to like an existing architecture um, for like that main sort of Tomorrowland hub and stuff like the, some of the, 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 the bit where like we see like the big one shot of Tomorrowland and we have like the guys in like the suits and they go over like, come on, we got to charge our jetpacks and then go up. Oh, I lo- like I like these hints that we get. I love the at, like
1: what this world is. That like weird suit for when they fall. You know, I love that. Oh, the
0: airbag. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: I love that. Um, And I'm sure you love those big robot guys. Oh, they're so cool. I love the one who, like, at the beginning, fixes his little jetpack and gives him the little thumbs up. It's so cool. (laughs) And, like, like you were saying, like, to go off of this a little bit, like, we mentioned this a lot uh, on our Guardians of the Galaxy episode, but, like, this is also a time when Disney's making these hundred-plus-million-dollar movies and they at least, at least kind of the, the visual effects elements of this movie look like they cost that much, right? Like, yeah, you know, Tron Legacy looks like it costs $150 million. I think that movie fucking rules, by the way. But, um, you know, it, it's interesting to kind of get, like, these movies that at least look expensive and are expensive, whereas now
0: I think a lot of stuff that disney puts out looks like garbage but well versus even at the time you have like this is not too long after pirates of the caribbean 4 which (laughs) is one of the most expensive movies of all time and looks like ass awful yeah Yeah. truly looks like such an awful movie (laughs) like Um, at the
2: very least it looks like it was shot in real locations for the most part like even like that one shot of, like, Hugh Laurie and um, George Clooney on the beach. It's like, all right, this is, like, a real yeah, place yeah. and not just, like, a video screen that they just wrapped around them.
1: It's not in the volume or whatever. Which right. They would definitely do this now, but... Yeah. 100%.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just,
1: again, part of this, these, these wild swings that they were making and uh, like a John Carter, where that movie is also very weird for other reasons, but, um, yeah, it's a very interesting time for Disney.
0: Yeah, so would you say this is like the worst Brad Bird movie?
2: Oh yes. But that but he's it, it is the worst Brad Bird movie, but even then he had such a high bar that anything under than just like straight excellence would have been the worst. So like it's by like no means is it like the worst Disney movie. Like Disney's put <sighs> yeah. out worst movies it within this past decade. <laughs> Within Um, this
1: last six months, probably. (laughs) Yes. Within this last, like,
2: six months. (laughs) So, like, by all means, it is a misfire, but, like, I respect it. Like, no matter, like, even though it, it, I think it's preachy as hell, I do respect the swing, like, like you guys talked about. A big swing, I'll always go, go up for it in some way, shape, or form. So, I, yeah, it's bad, but not that bad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I mean, even I'm, like, positive on this movie. Like, I like this movie, and it, I guess by default is, but like, I have my Brad Bird ranking on here, and if you take Tomorrowland out, his "quote unquote" worst movie, in my opinion, is Ratatouille, which is a fucking masterpiece, and like, I exactly. love that movie. And yeah, he has <laughs> just he has a really great track record for for movies, and I think this is a really interesting kind of like. Hey, remember that guy who made The Incredibles? He made this weird movie with george clooney like yeah it's it's very interesting but it is i guess by default his worst movie
0: yeah and i did feel at the same time like i I, because you mentioned john carter and that's of course andrew stanton another pixar director who graduated from pixar and was like i want to do a big ambitious blockbuster movie and that one failed, I think, even more than this one did, yeah. uh, for sure. <laughs> and then uh, he had to like go back to Pixar and make a Finding Dory, yeah. and Brad Bird had to do oh. a similar thing by going back to make Incredibles two, which is a much better movie than Finding Dory, absolutely. Um, but oh, okay, I would funny. argue, but I would argue, still feels a bit more depressing to me because like I like Incredibles two, but it feels so much just like oh, Brad, you had to like come back, your tail between your <laughs> yeah. legs.
2: Oh, trust. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Like, it's... Like, Incredibles 2, yeah, it's still really good, especially, like, in the latter... Like, the most recent couple years of Pixar, it's... I would say it's better than a chunk of them, but, yeah, yeah, overall, like, it's still... It still feels like he's missing a step. That he was... Like, that energy that he was feeling in Incredibles 1 doesn't really feel like it's as potent as it is in, in the second movie.
0: Yeah. I would argue that's my least favorite... Above tomorrow <laughs> yeah I would say and even still then I think it's a really fun movie but um it still feels at the same time like the passion isn't quite there as much
2: mm-hmm. listen he needs to get back on like the right foot what is he doing nowadays
0: <laughs> I don't know he's one of those guys who like he's got like a bunch of things in development I know he was gonna like he was supposed to make a musical with Michael giacino. Which, shout out, does oh, a great score. Actually, oh, man. Yeah,
2: the music in here is great. The music the, I, is yeah, great. We forgot, we forgot to talk about the score here. Yeah, fantastic.
1: Yeah, Giacchino rules. One of the best composers working today. For my money, like, the Batman is one of the best comic book, like, superhero movie scores of the past decade, maybe. Like, the mm-hmm. score for that rules. He's He's great. I love him
2: his Doctor Strange theme is like one of the few memorable <laughs> MCU scores yes. yeah.
0: yeah, but by the way uh, Brad Bird's next movie is Ray Gun which God. is the movie he's been trying to make for a while um, and he's finally getting to make it as a 2D animated feature with Skydance animation under John Lasseter so, yep
2: he's Ooh, with uh-oh. John Lasseter uh oh oh
0: no I still remember when that press release came out when he announced he was going to do it it's like I can't wait to work with a bunch of producers at Skydance and John Brad. Come
2: on, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oof. But, yeah. I don't know. So, (laughs) he's in a very precarious place. So, we'll... uh, I'll still, at the same time, I'm still curious to see anything that dude does. Because, like you mentioned, even with this movie, which is so, like, lopsided and stuff, it's only because, like, I see so much of that greatness in this movie. It's trying to leap out. It's trying to, like, cohere. But it feels very compromised for maybe a number of reasons like there's a bit of disney isms there but there's also the factor of lindelof has said as much like he made the grave mistake of getting the first season of the leftovers and this at the same time developing both of them and you can tell it was very stretched thin with Mm -hmm, this one in particular mm -hmm.
1: yeah the leftovers by the way a phenomenal show one of my favorite shows of the past
0: like few years maybe um it's
2: on my endless watch list of things i'm gonna get to hopefully it's yeah
0: it's great um, i was tempted to do, watch it during the pandemic but then i realized the premise of that show and i'm like oh no that would have been no. too please don't <laughs> that too was, much to do yeah. that
2: then. dude i tried <laughs> i was on a plane recently and i tried to watch 12 monkeys and i'm like i can't i can't do it right now <laughs> the, the the virus thing is way too it's still too soon, quote unquote. Yeah. Oh,
0: especially when spoilers for that movie, it ends with like a shootout at an airport, so I would not recommend watching that <laughs> on an airplane. Dude, you know what I watched instead? I
2: watched Malcolm X.
0: <laughs> I mean for a long Dude, plane ride, that's a good one to go It through. was a
2: five hour plane ride, so it it flew by. Yeah.
0: Yes, for sure. <laughs> um But you know what? yeah, let's get to final thoughts, I guess, on Tomorrowland here. Let's let's get to our final thoughts. Shaquille, our guests. Final thoughts mm. on Tomorrowland,
2: man. Brad, I love Brad Bird, and I don't want to like shit on the dude, especially because again his track record is so high. But yeah, like Tomorrowland is just a real misfire. Like it's, it is a bet Like it's not egregiously bad, even though I know this is in the egregious category. But it's just in, in the sense of like his his filmography, it is pretty egregious. <laughs> but th- there's so much things I want to like, and there's things I want to love but the re- movie keeps refusing to do so by just, yeah, not having that many interesting characters. Like, uh, there's not a big, interesting ensemble. I think Britt Robertson and George Clooney are a mismatch, um, even though they're both individually solid. Q uh, Laurie fucking taking the paycheck of paychecks. Um, and yeah, that ending is just, that, that. the whole third act is just a fucking mess. And that's really just, Unfortunate, because you can see the nuggets of potential that there is in there. It's got some cool inventive like gadgets and and action sequences, but again, it doesn't coalesce to like a very good whole, unfortunately. But yeah, it, it's a big disappointment.
0: Yeah, we didn't even talk about this, but in this finale, there's two big moments where characters stop all action to have a big like sort of speechifying thing because it's Hugh Laurie, and then Raffi Cassidy as she's dying talks for like. Eight solid minutes about, like, oh, by the way, let me reveal everything about your backstory, George Clooney, (laughs) right before I die. We didn't even talk about the fact that during this last set piece,
1: there's a bomb that they need to set off to, like, (laughs) destroy tomorrow. What? It's like a one kiloton bomb or whatever. It's insane.
2: Which is insane to say, because I'm pretty sure that would kill literally everything (laughs) within, like... Oh, at least fifty mile radius. Right.
0: Nope. It just stops a big Epcot sphere from doing its thing, and then it crushes you, Laurie.
2: Listen, Britt Robertson should be
0: dead. Yes.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but I'm gonna am I'm gonna let Brian have the final word uh, as as the most positive <laughs> and optimistic one. Um, I'm gonna be my bitter George Clooney self. Before he becomes Britt Robertson and puts on a hat and de-ages <laughs> 15 years. Yeah, I, I would agree largely with Shaquille. It's not like the worst possible one we could have done for Disney. Like we could have done in theory, like a Prince of Persia or one of those pirates, like non-Gorvabinsky sequels. But I think that would just be a lot more of us just like s- screaming at dumb details. As opposed to this movie is a lot more fascinating as, like, sort of an E for egregious Disney pick because of what we're mentioning about, like, the time and place it was made in and the sort of where it fits in Disney history and even, like, a lot of the, like, theme park stuff, which, as the theme park guy on this podcast, in theory, I should be loving it. And there's fun stuff, like, early on, like, the World's Fair stuff or even you can see Space Mountain in the background in Tomorrowland and stuff like that. There's, like, Easter egg stuff, but it feels like a movie that's definitely like, frustratingly put together. Because, like I mentioned, if it was 20 minutes sh- shorter or 20 minutes longer, I think it would make all the difference to either flesh out this world or make it a bit more of, like, a, a speedy action movie where it's like, let's get to this point, this point, this point, and get to our ending. And it just doesn't quite get to either of those points. So it just feels like a frustrating kind of clunky mess here. It's, it's like the, like the jetpack that George Clooney is developing at the beginning of the movie as a kid. There's something missing there. And sadly, there's no Raffy Cassidy. It's like, put the right piece in the right place to make it function. Um, And like I said, uh, the stuff with Raffy Cassidy and Clooney is so fascinatingly irksome that like, I was never quite bored in this movie, but when I wasn't intrigued by an individual sequence, I was just in engaged puzzlement at what was going on (laughs) at every turn, (laughs) (laughs) truly. (laughs) But, Brian... Be the optimistic boy. What are your final thoughts on uh, Tomorrowland?
1: Yeah, I mean, I am much more positive than you guys on this movie. I, I still do find it to be f- pretty fun for the most part. I, I like the sort of retrofuturistic kind of aesthetics that it's using. I like the idea that, you know, again, I'm, I'm just fascinated by that idea of, like, remember when we all thought that, you know, technology was going to make the future a better place and not, like, you know, Twitter... <laughs> which is <laughs> just awful. <laughs> like, you know, it's it It's a fascinating idea to me, especially kind of at that point of, like, you know, the 40s, 50s, kind of that, like, that age. And... But, again, all the, the real-world stuff in this movie is handled in a very Disney fashion, even though I kind of... I did defend it a bit, but, like, it's still a Disney movie. It's not really... It's not, like... Um, th- this is the fir- This is not similar to this movie in any way, but like it's not first reformed in the way that it's talking about, like you know, our society these days and like kind of the way that climate change and everything is ruining the world. Imagine if Britt Robinson went on a road trip with Ethan
2: Hawke from First Reformed. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, she'll be just like
0: how I was when I was watching the movie. <laughs> uh, so. She'll offer him Pepto bismol and Maldrichers. <laughs> it's like yeah. I well. had to sit
2: down and just reflect for like 45 minutes. <laughs>
0: Like, even Hugh Laurie would be bummed out after speaking to Ethan Hawke for a second. Jesus, man. Instead of the, like,
1: will God forgive us for what we've done to this, will Walt forgive us for what we've done to Tomorrowland
0: or something? I don't know. Um, By the way, a thing that was edited out of this movie, there was really going to be a lot more mention of, like, basically him being the fifth member of Plus Ultra, the secret society, Walt Disney. And Disney was very strongly like, let's not do that. Let's yeah. let's not have that be a part of this. <laughs> let's not have Walt be like, "Well, we should make Epcot now." <laughs> we can still do it, guys. Man, if we get an Epcot movie, <laughs> uh, but sorry, Brian, continue with your final thoughts. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah. So I like a lot of the elements of this movie. I, I like a lot of the Brad Bird elements, like a lot of the gadget and sci-fi stuff. But yeah, it, it feels like you guys have been saying, like it. it just doesn't come together it feels like something's missing and like like you Shaquille I really want to love this movie like I really want to like love it I want and like 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 you Thomas I was hoping to come here and be like this movie is actually a masterpiece and you we need to reclaim it and all this stuff but I, th- I think it's good and I think it's very weird and interesting and I especially find it interesting because this is kind of like we mentioned like the last really of them doing this kind of thing like you know they don't really do a lot of this kind of stuff anymore i'm trying to think of like
0: the last thing that was like this even uh when when they do have they have to sneak it into like another thing like i would argue guardians of the galaxy volume 2 has a lot of similarities to this movie but the (laughs) difference is they just make it like actually cohere to like a Marvel sort of formula, but also make it consistently weird and engaging and colorful. Right. <laughs> as opposed to having Drax and Mantis like in a car <laughs> go to like to Ego's planet. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and but that yeah, so I find a lot of that stuff like it, it doesn't work a lot of it, especially in that third act, which I think like, as much as I kind of am intrigued by its ideas, I think it does grind the movie to a halt where anyone who was like excited to see Tomorrowland when you get to that sequence it's like what the f- what a- what the hell is this this is like not what i was expecting where's the wonder and the excitement and all of this stuff and like but i, I don't know i find it interesting as like again the last vestige of like disney making 150 million dollar movies that are like vaguely tied to ip they own right like this is again like you mentioned this earlier thomas like it's not really about tomorrowland it's just kind of loosely based off of that which I like I, I find that interesting but um yeah it's a bit of an odd one in Brad Bird's career as well and um I don't know I'd be curious to see him return to live action but
0: um I, I, yeah
1: I, I'm curious to see whatever he does but it, it yeah a weird weird movie <laughs> yeah
0: I mean given how the, we didn't mention this but on that 190 million dollar budget made 209 million yeah, international, it was right? like a worldwide big flop. It was a massive big flop. flop. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if Brad will get another chance to sadly do a live action movie, but who knows what the future will hold for him. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Shaquille. I have to deal with this all week. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> to deal with these jokes all the time. Uh, but after that rapturous applause, let's get to our weekly segment. Between the lines. So uh, every episode, Brian, myself, and a guest, if they uh, so choose, uh, will recommend another film that, you know, is either related to the movie that we're talking about today in some way or could be an alternate choice for the particular letter, in this case E for egregious, uh, that we're, uh, you know, talking about for this particular episode. And I'm going to start here um, with another fascinating curiosity that we almost got as our pick uh, for this particular episode it was the alternate choice on the Patreon, and you patrons over there, at slash cinema number two letter more in that soon um, uh, voted. And uh, we didn't end up covering it, but I did rewatch it in prep for this. And I find this movie fascinating, even though I would not say it's good. I think it has a similar kind of fascinating train wreck quality to Tomorrowland that I would, uh, I think at least pe- people will be like more engaged maybe with the country bears which came out in 2002 and is um, another film based on a theme park ride, uh, the Country Bear Jamboree, which uh, was opened at Disney World and Disneyland, uh, which I love the fact that this movie was in production and they closed the Country Bear Jamboree in Disneyland nine months before this movie came out. Oh, that's even... A, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fully... Just not giving it much room. But basically, this movie is about uh, Barry Barrington, our lead character, <laughs> uh, voiced by Haley Jalosman, who's a, a bear that was raised as a young boy uh, by Stephen Tobolowski, his father, um, and his brother, Eli Martell, uh, who was little uh, Hogarth in The Iron Giant. Oh, oh wow. Yes. Um, and Barry is, like, raised to believe that he's, like, you know, you're, like, a normal kid, even though he's, like, getting old, like, you know, he's getting to, like, you know, 10 or 12 years old, and he's, like, I don't know, I look different than everybody, Dad, I'm, like, hairy, and, like, well, everyone gets hairy, you know, like, your father, and it's Stephen Tobolowski who's bald, uh, which is a very funny bit, (laughs) but, um, so, he's, like, I need to find out, like, where my real origins are, and, um, he ends up becoming a big fan of the Country Bears, who were in this world, an actual band, that was very popular in, like, the 70s through, like, the 90s, uh, that everyone treated as, like, genuine musicians. There's a bunch of, like, interviews with, like, Willie Nelson. At one point, Bruce was like, oh, yeah, I was inspired by the Country Bears. This movie.
1: Like a, like, pop
0: star. Yeah, kind of. Um, But, (laughs) uh, so he, Barry decides, like, I'm going to go to Country Bear Hall, where the Country Bears used to perform. And the thing is, when he gets there, he sees it, like, oh, no, it's going to be torn down by uh, this evil land developer who wants to buy Country Bear Hall and demolish it uh, played by Christopher Walken oh our villain God. Yep. <laughs> who wants to destroy Country Bear Hall and Country they Bear have to get together yes, that's best, yes it's my a best a that. Oh no Country Bear Hall has been crushed um, it's a lot of that and so Bear is like, oh, no, we have to get, like, the money together so we can save Country Bear Hall. And the only way we can do that is to have a benefit concert. But the thing is, the Country Bears have been broken up for, like, a decade at this point. So he has to get the band back together. And he goes on a cross-country trip to get all the, the great bears back together. You know, you got Ted Betterhead. You got uh, Trixie St. Clair. Big Al. These are all, by the way, real names of the Country Bear animatronics. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Zeb Christ. Zuber as well, uh, everyone's favorite um, but, but yeah so it, it feels weirdly like it's kind of like a mashup of like the Blues Brothers and Almost Famous um, and it's literally like him going on this odyssey to get all these bears together while we run into a lot of different celebrity cameos I want to read some of these cameos because you got Please. Elton John, okay. Queen Latifah okay. Willie Nelson I mentioned earlier, uh, yeah. the voices of Bonnie Raitt and Don Henley singing as these bears and they also okay. appear as cameos as themselves. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Wyclef Jean. <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> and then you got them, but then at the same time you also have like a bunch of other people who like are only recognizable to people at that particular time. Like okay. you've got okay. Crystal... Who sang the main theme song to the Princess Diaries? And, oh. <laughs> and oh Jennifer God. Page, who sang that song "Crush." Like the it's crush. Just a oh my crush. God! That girl. Yeah. <laughs> then, then, the, then, then. Oh my God! The one-hit wonder who was also like put on the same pedestal as like Elton John. <laughs> You're just like, God, oh, my God, it's, it's you. crazy. It's crazy. It's really wild. Um, and also, like, there's this whole subplot where, like, Diedrich Bader, who also voices one of the bears, and, uh, oh, yeah, Daryl Mitchell um, play cops who are trying to, like, chase the <laughs> kid down. <laughs> and they're getting caught in, like, a car wash. It's a weird movie. It's so much like an insane movie that I'm very surprised it exists, especially when, like, if you look at the animatronics for the bears, yes. they look... Truly terrifying. <laughs> like, like almost like bears who are ready to maul any of the children who appear in this movie. Dude, th- that poster used to scare me as a child. I was yeah. like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yes. So I think it's not a good movie, and it's not quite a sort of so-bad-it's-good movie, necessarily, which we've also talked about on the show. But is it I not? Find it <laughs> not quite, but at the same time, I just find it incredibly fascinating that this exists, and it is on Disney+. Plus unlike tomorrowland this is <laughs> like so no weird. put this out there for everybody to see i think it's incredibly fascinating if nothing else it's worth it for Walken. like there's literally there's a whole sequence where it's just like they let Walken do whatever the fuck he wants Where like he just sits in his office and he gets models of country bear hall puts it on his desk and then pushes a button so like a giant weight crushes it and he has multiple copies of this model <laughs> And he crushes, like, in a row. There's just a whole sequence where he's just, like, of him, saying, oh, no, Country Bear Hall has been crushed. (laughs) And other weird lines, like, this isn't over, bears. Or the bit where he's just, like, oh, I've been waiting to do this for years, Country Bears. I've been waiting for the right time. And that day is tonight. (laughs) Like, stuff like that. crazy yes i'm so fascinated by this like i might you might actually sell me on this (laughs) i honestly i would say like i once again go into it not expecting i think like a so bad it's good movie or anywhere near a good movie but i think going just with the aspect of like michael eisner thought this was gonna do (laughs) way better than pirates of the caribbean oh you okay which is one of my favorite things bet 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 Right, where he's just like, no, this is, this is a smaller budget movie, it's not going over budget like that movie on the water with big ships, whatever, that's gonna bomb horribly. Country Bears, that's where it's at, baby. <laughs> that's the big <laughs> theme park ride movie everyone's gonna go to. Disney in the 2000s, man. <laughs> Crazy. It's wild, but I'm guessing you both have not seen this movie, based no. on your reactions.
2: No. <laughs> no, Listen. You told me why Cleve Jean and Exhibitor are in a movie about country bears. I, I have to see their cameos. <laughs> we used to have LD movies
1: dude. in this
0: country. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. It's a weird thing. But Brian, what's your recommendation?
1: <laughs> yes. Um, well, you know, Thomas, we, we talk a lot about Disney live action remakes. Yes. And I, I've always said that there's two that I've missed, which are the Kenneth Branagh Cinderella and yes. the Glenn Close 101 Dalmatians from the 90s. Mm-hmm. But there's one that I forgot, and I think everyone else forgot that it exists, so I watched it last night. And this was the 2019 Lady and the Tramp remake, which I just oh. completely forgot existed. Right. And I was like, right. That was like a launch Disney
0: Plus title, if I'm right.
1: It was. Yes. And then I think yeah. the pandemic kind of washed it away from everyone's memories, but... I watched it and um, it's bad. Um, <laughs> it is very unhinged from for the just because it's live action dogs, kind of like there's a lot of p- elements where like you can tell they just got real dogs to just do the thing like walk around, but then there's like elements where they need there's parts where they need to emote like, their faces, and you can tell it's, like, a weird CGI face on, like, a dog. It, it's so unsettling from a visual perspective. And also, it's just a really bad remake of Lady and the Tramp. Like, it it, it is the, the, basically the same plot, but way longer. It's, like, almost two hours long, and it doesn't need to be. It, it sort of falls to the same traps as other Disney live-action remakes of, like, just adding more stuff more plot where you don't need to um i will say one of the there are two kind of bright spots of this movie one yvette nicole brown who really breathes life into this movie and when she's not on screen i i I miss her because she's just so great and just adds so much character and life to a scene in this movie um Mm -hmm. And uh, Thomas Mann plays like the 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 father figure, like the owner. He's like the kid from um, he was in like a, uh, uh, Me and Project Earl and the Dying, yeah, yeah, and, right. Like, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl and kind of stuff like yes. that. I, I I like him a lot, but it's not a great movie. It's quite hideous. Um, Ken Jong does a, a cameo, which is. Uh, Oh
2: well, here is thing. When it comes to Ken Jeong, he's either gonna be good or the worst thing in the movie. No, like no (laughs) in between.
1: Yeah, he's not great. He's he's only thankfully in it for one scene. Um, What I will say is, F. Murray Abraham plays like the uh, Tony, like the guy who owns the restaurant or whatever, and he does a little song, which is kind of fun. But does he go full Italian accent?
0: I don't think he does. Then get the fuck out of my Maybe. face! I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I want Earth Murray Abraham going full pizza box, Mamma Mia pizzeria. He do, he has a mustache, but
1: it's not as like you know, it's not like the curly Italian kind of mustache you you want.
2: Oh, um, failure! How dare you? Yeah, but have
1: you guys seen this movie? Did do you even remember this no.
2: movie? <laughs> I for, Like you said, I forgot it existed. Like the only thing yeah. I remember from it was that like it was. Tessa Thompson and Justin Thoreau as like Lady Horrible. in the band. That's the Horrible only thing, thing I remember. Anything else, I don't remember. Yeah. yeah, this
0: voice cast is insane. Where you got them, but also Sam Elliott, who uh, Ashley Jensen, Sam Elliott, Janelle Monet is asleep Jesus. in the in the booth recording it. <laughs> like
1: literally asleep, where he's just like. Uh, I don't know, you gotta just, uh... uh.
0: Like, <laughs> that's his entire performance. <laughs> Benedict Wong voices a bulldog named Bull. Oh my yep. god. Benedict Wong. I, I, once again, Benedict Wong being underused. And Absolutely. Improperly used. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm curious. I'm guessing they don't go with the cats, like previously. <sighs> like, well. Oh, the They Siamese do. Cats? Yeah. Oh, the no. cats are in the
2: movie.
1: Wait. However, they okay. don't do the Siamese cats thing. Of course, okay. they do have the song where like they mess up the ha- the room. Right. And like, they blame it on lady. They have that mm. song, like a little song. Obviously they don't do the Siamese cats thing, but then they don't do anything with the cats. Weirdly enough, which hmm, I wonder why, <laughs> hmm. Um, hmm. but it's yeah. And they're also like the cats are singing. So it's very uncanny and very awful um yeah not great um which and and is unfortunate because it's it's directed by Charlie Bean who I, I was looking up he worked as like a, a storyboard artist for like Samurai Jack which I love one of my mm-hmm. I adore that show and he also mm-hmm. directed like the Lego Ninjago movie which I didn't see but I heard was pretty good actually but yeah I, it's not great it's just another case of these live-action remakes not needing to exist, and it makes no sense why you would do this one. I mean, like, why the Talking Dogs one? I don't
0: know. It, it makes no sense to me. Um. Well, especially, like, in a modern world where, like, obviously we don't want to, like, have any kind of trouble with, like, animals on set at this point right so like their decision is to just make i guess mostly cg dogs but there are real dogs you can like kind of tell that they're real dogs a little bit like when they're just
1: walking like around and stuff but like anytime they're talking or together they do the spaghetti scene it's very weird um anytime they're doing that it's very it, it just looks really weird and ugly and also oh I, I forgot to mention that this movie is co-written by andrew Buch I don't know how to say his last name, Bujalski, Bujalski, who made, um, Support the Girls, which is a phenomenal. Oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, he, he co-wrote this movie, and, um, I don't see any of his, you know, I love him, no disrespect to him, but I don't see any of his, like, style in this. I mean, the leads are just really mismatched, and have no chemistry together, and, like, I 100% think that, every person who did like the voice for this they were not in the same room together when they did this like this is pre-pandemic so they could have but there's no way any of these people are in the same room and it it's just but does it feel like they're in like their bathroom specifically recording lines (laughs) yes it feels like I mean Sam Elliott especially he's like in bed with his like night you know he's got the cap just like (laughs) recording he's reading a western novel while he's also recording (laughs) the (laughs) lines yeah um yeah a bad movie and also just a movie that everyone's forgotten about because they dumped it onto onto disney plus which is like kind of unfortunate by the way because like I, I imagine if you're one of these actors like it, it would have been interesting maybe to have the like oh this is going to come out in theaters but in, instead it gets dumped on disney plus and uh and no one really remembers it um yep yeah
2: so that's
0: my that's my pick <laughs> mm-hmm. well shaquille i'm curious what's your pick All right, so my
2: pick. So I know you, yeah, when you had mentioned, like, you could recommend a thing that's kind of similar in theme, uh, and maybe something like a good version of that. So I was taking a look at it, like, almost pretty literally. So I was looking at Tomorrowland, a big, expensive sci fi adventure with a retro futuristic aesthetic that they bet big on and it bombed horribly. If you want the good version of that, watch Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet Planet is maybe my second favorite Disney animated movie Like it's it's top two That and Lion King essentially jump neck and neck with each other Like it depends on the day I might say the other one or the other But Treasure Planet is absolutely like a fucking masterpiece Um, Just yeah, adapting Treasure Island into the sci-fi aesthetic Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as like um, fucking Jim Hawkins I love this whole entire ensemble, but yeah, between Joseph Gordon-Levitt, David Hyde Pierce, even a character like Martin Short's character, Ben, like the robot, the wisecracking robot, you would think would be a character that would get on my nerves, but he was actually pretty endearing to me, surprisingly so. Um, And, oh, especially though, Brian Murray as John Silver. I love this interpretation of Silver so much. Like, he, like, as like... The, the father figure who might be like, who might screw him over, maybe not, I love it, I love the soundtrack I love, just everything about this movie it was just so perfectly done, the problem was the timing of it was, just, it was just released at the wrong time, because it, I think it came out like, either a week before or after Harry Potter started, so it was already mm. just bound to be swept under like, the fucking ashes of that movie, <laughs> um it's it still feels fairly underrated like I know people it has a cult following now but it still feels very underrated in the grand uh like scheme of Disney animated flicks like Atlantis gets more attention than Treasure Planet does nowadays <laughs> and I like Atlantis but it's still no Treasure Planet to me at the very least Atlantis has like a direct to video sequel this doesn't all it had was like everything it got at launch so it got like a video game that no one remembers it got toys again no one remembers Treasure Planet to me is just masterful all around i fucking adore this movie
0: yeah and honestly i didn't see it in theaters even though i was kind of like the exact age group they were aiming for because like like all of the marketing was so e- emphasizing on like he has a hoverboard that he rides around like a and skateboard so sick. it's so it sick it absolutely is right right but at the <laughs> time i even remember feeling like oh they're. it feels like they're kind of trying to pander to me and i'm <laughs> too smart for this i'm like 10 <laughs> I get what you're doing Disney this isn't working for me and I didn't see it until like several years later and uh, yeah I think it's very underrated I think especially I think it kind of got caught up in the fact that because it was such a big bomb it was kind of seen as like one of the movies that helped destroy 2D animation um, Mm -hmm. at the time which to be fair I think is more just like what was going on at that particular time But between like that and like Home on the Range like they were like not giving a lot to those 2D animated movies at that particular time I think kind of got a bad rap for that uh, because I think it is a solid adaptation of Treasure Island and I do agree with you. I like a lot of the characters, particularly uh, Emma Thompson who plays like the captain, who's like, yeah, this weird kind of like, cat creature. Thing. Wonderfully designed and I think like a lot of it's a great blend also of like 2D and CG in that rare like time period like you're talking about like Atlantis or even Iron Giant has a bit of that too where it's like I miss that kind of like yeah. 2D matched with like a sort of 2D aesthetically similar CG that I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have loved to have seen more of those kind of movies especially like this one I, I would agree very underrated I think in the Disney canon absolutely and like I
1: oh God that yeah that I mean that last point you made about like the CGI the like early CG is really interesting like it it, it reminds me of just like like playing old video games from like the PS2 PS1 era like that sort of like right. novelty mm-hmm. factor of just how like you know there is a, a real like beauty to that um, done properly obviously and like Yeah, this was kind of, like, so I, a few years ago, like, watched all 60 whatever Disney animated movies in a row, and this was the one that, yeah, I know, it took me, like, three months, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, this was the one where I remember when this came out, I was very young, but I remember seeing, like, trailers for it, I think I, like, got toys from it, from, like, Burger King or McDonald's or something, even though I hadn't, like, seen the movie, but, um, Watching it years later, I was like really blown away by it. Like I, I, I was like, wow, I, I had always thought of it at, as like a, a misfire for Disney and like, oh, it's not It's it's a weird kind of like whatever. We don't really talk about that movie that much. It's weird. It's not that good. But I yeah, I thought it was great. I kind of already want to rewatch it. Like, just us talking about it right now. I want to watch that movie. And, like, you're right, Thomas. It is kind of during this time of, like, in the 2000s where Disney is making some, like, real garbage. Like, Home on the Range and, like, Dinosaur and stuff like that. But this comes in, like, that period of, like, Emperor's New Groove, Atlantis, Lilo and Stitch, and then Treasure Planet.
2: It's like, I... Personally, I'm more of a fan of the post-Renaissance era than I am of the actual Renaissance era. So yeah, like Emperor and the Groove and Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. But again, they're f- taking wild swings. <laughs>
1: right, exactly. And, and like Treasure Planet is that for me where like I remember watching it like when I did a couple of years ago like being like, this is so weird and not like any of this, the Renaissance stuff that they've made before. It feels so like it feels kind of new and it feels like it is kind of a real like 21st century like you know Disney trying to make something in the 21st century um so, yeah, I also love Treasure Planet. I want to watch Treasure Planet in, like too. soon now.
2: <laughs> also, also, I want to shout out, because I'm I'm normally not a fan of this band, but the Goo Goo Dolls, I'm Still Here, is such a badass song. Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: true, yeah. The moment Goo Goo Dolls played, when I saw this, I'm like, oh, fuck, this is so early 2000s.
2: Um, <laughs> dude, I'm like, put me on that boat. I want to just sail the stars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh for sure, but all right, let's uh, let's repeat the titles for everybody out there in case uh, you know they want to add them to their watch list or have any kind of curiosity. Uh, my pick was the 2002 very fascinating Disney film, The Country Bears. <laughs> uh, yes, my mine was
1: the 2019 Lady and the Tramp remake,
2: and mine was the also 2002 the incredibly underrated Treasure Planet.
0: And uh, on that note, we're gonna start getting to our end here. But uh, you know, we gotta thank some people before we get to the very end. We gotta thank people like Burial Grid for our intro music and all of our music on the show. Uh, Purchase his music at burialgrid.com. Thanks to Michelle Kyle for our artwork. Find her at mishkyle 96 on Twitter. And thank you to our Patreon supporters. Patreon.com/slash Cinema Number Two Letter, where for just one dollar a month, you get to you know have access to bonus stuff that we record. And also vote for individual movies that we cover, like at least one of them per season, like this one. You all chose Tomorrowland, so thank you all, patrons, for doing that. And uh, some of the bonus audio that you'll be uh, hearing in the future, um, we would have recently recorded some stuff about, uh, you know, like some big releases in November. We're going to be doing that again in December, like a big review roundup thing, where we talk about some of the big Oscar movies. And uh, also you'll be able to hear um, our top 10 Disney songs. That's our big bonus one. Okay. Uh, so from any kind of disney product that's including the theme parks tv shows the movies top 10 songs uh which will be very curious to record and uh yeah all that for just the one dollar a month um and of course we got to thank our buddy shaquille thank you so much for being on the show shaquille yes really appreciate it
2: listen thank you for inviting me like this was a lot of fun i always love recording with you thomas brian dude it's been so much fun talking to you too man
1: oh thank you you too it was (laughs) so nice to meet you and also you mentioning treasure planet as your pick really just like you gained so much respect for me with that
2: listen we out here listen (laughs) (laughs) we are now listen we're square for the prometheus thing from earlier we're good
0: (laughs) i love it when an arc can happen in a podcast about especially a movie that doesn't have a lot of arcs in it but um please promote yourself please unplug Um, Where, where can people find you on the internet
2: yeah, you can find me pretty much every social media at Shaq Excellence, S H A K Excellence. So, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Um, you can find my writing over at cgmagonline.com where I review uh, a lot of movies, uh, usually, like, yeah, whatever's the big new releases and stuff like that. Um, even though the podcast is on hiatus. My podcast sequels. I will always plug it because it's one of my favorite things I've ever done. With po- a podcast where we talk about directed video sequels to movies. That's S E E Q U E L S. So you can find that anywhere podcast or you can listen to podcasts.
0: Including so, uh, you did a couple of Disney to video sequels. We have. Right, we've right? done
2: like the, We've done the Little Mermaid two. We've done Mulan two. We've done. Um, George of the Jungle too, um, I feel like there's there's been a we've done a sizable amount of like Disney stuff.
0: Yes, uh, so if you're all curious, oh, those are some fun eps. Great podcast. Dude, Can't yeah, wait they're, they're whenever so it comes good. back. I'm listening. Yes,
2: I know. I know. listen. Our lives are all so busy
0: now, dude. Yes, <laughs> right. But um, for more of us and our rinky dink operation that's still going on, uh, you can find us uh, at Cinema Number Two Letter. On various platforms like Instagram or Facebook or whatever we're calling Twitter these days, uh, whatever we're letter the alphabet change to, don't call it no X. Yeah, we ain't calling no Still X. Twitter. <laughs> still Twitter. <laughs> it's the dying day. It's Twitter. Uh, we're at Cinema Number Two Letter on all those places. And you can find me on Twitter or Letterbox at Tommy. and you also do some writing at uh, MarianiThomas.wordpress.com at Film-Cred.com.
1: Yeah, and you can find me on, on Twitter as well, still, sometimes, at uh, B-R-Y-A-N-D-R-A-D-E and the number three. Uh, or you can follow me on Letterboxd, where I'm much more active watching a bunch
0: of movies and uh, making a bunch of lists. So follow me on there. And uh, for more of our audio stuff, please uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts out there, whatever platform. Uh, If you're listening on Talk Film Society, you want to listen to all the other great shows, including sequels, another Talk Film Society show. Um, And uh, you can also uh, dig into our archives and our Podbean feed for, you know, the first two seasons and all the old Double Edge, Double Bill stuff. All that is available there. And nothing else. If you can't, you know, support us on the Patreon for that dollar. It's cool. Money can always be tight. The free way to help us out is to rate, review, or simply share the show around. To give us more visibility, so while uh, we can invite more dreamers to our Tomorrowland, where I don't know, we just sit around and talk about movies. Yeah, you got that little pin we sent you, right? <laughs> right. Oh
2: no, it's it's, it's uh, somewhere. It's lost in the mail. You
0: know. <laughs> Listen, the import fees are crazy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Very true (laughs) Uh, But on that note We should at least tease our next episode Our penultimate episode of our Disney series It's our M for Masterpiece And uh, we're getting festive For the holiday season Our big holiday episode We are covering The Muppet Christmas Carol which, Hell that's right. yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't, we never talked about Muppets that much, Shaquille. I don't know. You, you dig the Muppets? I
2: love the Muppets. Like, the Muppets are, like, one of those things where I can't exactly be objective about because I love them mm. too much. Like, even if they're bad, they're still pretty good.
0: <laughs> right. Yes, for sure. And Muppet Christmas Carol, a very interesting one to talk about, especially because I, in my Muppet-loving ways, have converted Brian to at least watch the first three yeah. movies. Hell, yes. And now I, you're uh, diving wait, into the Christmas. Wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, 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 wait. Were you a Muppet hater?
1: Well, no, uh, no, 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 nowhere near a Muppet hater. But I, I had okay. never seen like the movies. I had like, I've probably seen the show, but like I, I, I more grew up with them as like the kind of um, they're an American institution, like the Looney Tunes. Gotcha. Right? Like, like you
2: that's know, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: But I, I have now seen yeah the first three movies, and I, I love them. Love the Muppets. I. Cannot wait to talk about the Muppets next week. Yeah,
0: and especially because you have not seen Christmas Carol yet. Yeah, so that's the
1: the next one in my like lineup, and it's very convenient that we're we're doing that
0: one. So right, because yeah. you were watching these in like the summer, and you're like, I'm not gonna watch Christmas Carol in like June. Right? Yeah, it was, it'd be all <laughs> very weird to watch that one. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yes, but we'll be talking all about that next time. Until then, everybody, uh, just hold on for the future. I guess. I don't know, or just sit in your fucking abandoned Tomorrowland and bitterly snipe at people when they try and tell you they love Mad Max Fury Road. Like, how dare you?
2: Stop it! Listen, Damon Lindelof, I'm coming for you. (laughs) And I'll I'll protect him like the Secret
1: Service.